six, two, three, clap. Hey. All right. We were. No, that's good. Kind of in sync that time. In sync, huh? Just like the band. You are. No, that's Backstreet Boys. Yep. Nobody knows the difference though. So <laughs> if you hadn't said anything, we would have gotten totally gotten away with it. Oh my gosh. Welcome. Hello and welcome back to the Level Cap Podcast. This wonderful podcast where we talk about characters of the week, spoopy ghosts, as well as backstreet boy bands. Wait, wait, two two at least two of these three concepts were not on my docket for this week. Where are you pulling these from, Marco? From the ethereal plane, because Brad, little did you know that this is about all things on the docket and otherwise. I think you're putting extra emphasis on the otherwise today. But yeah, let's get started up. It's good to be back and uh, good for another Level Cap podcast. I'm your host, Brad Talton, with my esteemed uh, co-host, Marco DeSantos. Yay, I'm back, everyone. And how have you been these days, Marco? What's new with you? Oh, man, what's new with me? I mean, I guess I've been fine, you know? It's been great. Uh, I've been on a diet recently, so that's that's one. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, the holidays have put on a little bit of extra pounds on the old mechanic critic over here, so... I've I've had to uh, cut down my calories a bit. I've recently been taking a liking to those um, diet delivery services who basically deliver you pre-prepared food uh, that's uh-huh. like portioned to be a specific amount of calories per day, uh, and you know it's pretty fun because they they deliver all my meals and then I just eat whatever's in front of me and it's usually good. So that's fun. I guess that's uh, the kind of thing you can get away with doing in the big city. I do use the Blue Apron like. Home home delivery service, but you got to make the meals yourself. But I enjoy cooking, and I've learned a few new recipes through those, so it's pretty good. Oh man, Blue Apron's pretty cool. I keep hearing about it on the podcasts I listen to, but I can never avail of it because I do not live in the United States. Well, we should stop talking about them because we're giving them free advertising. That's true. That's true. This is a Level Cap podcast, Level Ninety Nine Games podcast, not about Blue Ray Blue Apron, Apron. So, Brad, how about you? How's your wow. day? <laughs> Uh, good so far. Just getting started. I got a bit of a late start today, but uh, I am ready to get back to work. I got a lot of chores to do for the business and um, got a couple blog posts to write. I have uh, a little bit of bad news today, which I'm uh, I'm a little nervous about talking about, but um, so it is and so it has to be. So that's what I'm uh, I'm putting together right now is some blog posts and some Kickstarter updates about things. Uh-oh, what's the bad news? Or is it going to be on the blog? Well, it's a little it's a little of both. So, um, Argent and Exceed Season 2 and Noir Automata are all going to be ready to ship in the next two weeks. It's just in time to ship out for Chinese New Year. Uh-huh. But due to the proximity to Chinese New Year, it would have cost us a whole lot more to ship them. And we haven't seen the production copy of Exceed Season 2 yet. And those two things together forced me to say, like, no, we can't book our freight yet. We can't move ahead with this because, you know, because it's going to be more expensive because I haven't seen the product. And I don't want to risk um, not seeing the game or that the game is, is has some kind of problem we have to fix. And then we can't fix it in time to get it out of the country before Chinese New Year. So 
there's a there's a chance that we could have delivered everything correctly at a, at a greater expense. Um, you know, on uh, you know, in March, uh-huh. but I made the executive decision to delay the project an extra month. Oh, um, I don't think people are going to be too happy with that, but I think it was the right decision. Um, you know, the project budget is already pretty close to the edge because we're offering such good shipping, and I really can't afford to ship it at a greater expense than I was planning on, and I also really can't afford to make a mistake and not have exceed season two come out perfect oh yeah so. i mean like what what what's that they say it's like it's better that it be delayed than it be delivered wrong right absolutely so that's uh something that we you know something so one of the hard decisions that we had to make and i apologize to all you guys who were expecting it you know to come in next month but uh it looks like it'll probably be closer to the start of april that it comes in at this rate so, uh, my apologies. I think oh. it was the right decision, even though it wasn't an easy decision to make. Mm, yeah. So we at the Level Cap Podcast and all of us at Level Ninety Nine Games appreciate your support, and we're really, really sorry. Uh, life happens. No, I mean it's it's it, you know things happen, and so it goes. So it goes. But Brad, you know what they say: the show must go on. So. That's Spot. true. And I think everybody that's really excited about these games has played them on Tabletop Simulator because we have the free mods for both of those. Oh, that's true. So so if you're waiting on the game and you really want to play these games right now, we can play them on Tabletop Simulator still. Just join our Discord chat and we'll get you all the links. Yeah, the link for Discord, by the way, can be found in the description of this podcast, whether it's on YouTube or on your favorite podcasting application. So, Brad, tell me, I have a very, very interesting question for you. Today, are you ready to answer it, even though this isn't 99 Questions? Sure, what's that? Brad, what have you been doing? Well, recently, very, very recently, um, I watched the new Ghostbusters movie. The, and, uh, the one with an all-female main cast? That one? The Yeah, yeah, the one that was released just, I guess it was last year. Uh, and it was, it was pretty good. I was, I was pleasantly surprised with it. I wished I watched the deleted scenes, and I really wish they had left in a lot of the scenes that were taken out. There oh, was a lot really? of really funny stuff that seemed to, to have been cut to make the theater showing time of hour and a half. Uh-huh. And it's kind of shame because I feel like they they really told the story better in some of these deleted scenes, and they really brought out the characters better in some of these deleted scenes. Oh, what can you do? But, oh, what can you do? Life happens. It, yeah, but uh, but I was happy with the movie. So really? Was, How was it? Was good. How did it um, compare to the original, the OG Ghostbusters? Well, the thing is, I was so young when I'm the original Ghostbusters, or actually, I was Ghostbusters was made before I was born. Uh, Ghostbusters two um, came out, I think, in my life, but I really didn't. Uh, I was not like a, an already a big fan going in, so um, I just knew what Ghostbusters was, and I'd watched some of the animated series as a kid. So I don't know that I had any particular expectations. You know, I knew when they when Slimer came out, I knew who Slimer was. Okay. Um, you know, so so some of those kind of jokes got me, but um, yeah, I think I think it was totally fine, and it was a good place to start on the series. If uh, if they decide to do another one, or you know, if people who haven't seen Ghostbusters or aren't very familiar with the original want to jump on, it was a fine movie. Oh, I see. I think I think that's a big deal, right? Like. Not having that frame of reference of the original movies 
may have like made you well may have let you possibly enjoy this movie more because i know a lot of people are really not satisfied with this movie mm-hmm. i mean i don't see what what more there would have been to it um i mean movie's a movie a movie's a movie yeah oh did you know oh, it's good f- not to have too many too many uh preconceived notions yeah, that's true. I mean, like, I, that's true for me because I haven't watched any of the original trilogy of Star Wars, but I've only watched the prequels. So my only <laughs> idea of Star Wars is the prequels. Well, this may ruin your perception of me in movies, but I don't think the prequels are that bad either. Oh, I don't think... I mean, they may not... They don't feel like Star the... Star Wars? You know, they don't feel like the middle the trilogy, like the, the original trilogy, but what could? I mean, they're not, they're just they're not meant to be. And I think you got to take them as their own thing. And yeah. I think it's good to take everything as its own thing and not to hold too many expectations up and, and compare it to the original. I mean, that's the thing, right? Like, when you get a new video game and you, you play through a game and you're like, well, I really want to play now, you know, like Soul Calibur Six or King of Fighters Fifteen or something like that. Like, what do you really want out of that series? Like, what do you want out of a sequel? What do people expect when they get a new a new entry in a series that they already love. You know, you want something that's going to make you feel the way the original did. But I don't it's I don't think it's actually possible to recapture the same feeling as the original without making an exact clone. Yeah, exactly, of the right. original. And when people don't get the exact feeling they felt from the original, which is impossible to, you know, which I, I think is impossible to capture, they are they feel disappointed by it. Um, that it's because it's only because of those pre-standing expectations that you have those feelings. If you go into a show and you are, you know, take it blank slate um, for its own sake, on its own merits, without all the baggage that comes along with it, there are a surprising number of things that are much better than the critics say. Hmm. Yeah. Wow. That was that was really deep. Yeah, well, we've been talking about this a little bit recently because we were talking about um, why there's no Samurai Showdown Six, I think. Oh, and really? The, yeah, and the, the answer I settled on was like, what would Samurai Showdown Six do that Samurai Showdown Five doesn't do, except look prettier? I mean, maybe that's just what people wanted for it to look prettier. Maybe, but but I mean, yeah, I mean, you like... know, it's like it's like ukulele and Banjo Kazooie. I mean, if you if you wanted a game that was like Banjo Kazooie. Why not just go play Banjo Kazooie? Because it's still a good game after all these years. Yeah, I mean, I guess I can't, so. I can't fault that logic, right? Like, if you wanted everything to stay exactly the same, just play the same game again, right? Yeah, yeah. <sighs> I mean, if you if you don't break new ground, there's not really a point to doing a thing. That's why you know you see some of these some of these indie games come out, and it's like this is a game that's just Zelda again, like like Link to the Past again. But it's got more weapons and more dungeons and more, you know, story or whatever, and a bigger map. And you lose interest really, really quickly in these games, even though you think this is exactly what I want. Like I played Freedom Planet, and Freedom Planet's a great game, but is that it doesn't, the Sonic clone? It doesn't. It doesn't. It's. I mean, I wouldn't say it's a clone, but it doesn't add much to the formula, for me at least. I, um, see. I think the game. I think the game is is good, and the gameplay is really solid. But I've already beaten Sonic 3, and so I've, I did not feel like Freedom Planet uh, taught me any new concepts that um, that I didn't already have from Sonic 3. 
and, uh, and your time I also is just precious. don't. Yeah, but that's not to knock Freedom Planet. It's a great game. Um, a lot of people like it, and people who haven't played Sonic Three um, and the original Sonic series should probably play Freedom Planet because they are better. But they don't. They don't. Uh, they're not. They're not much. They're not more. They're just better. If that makes sense. Yeah, I guess. I mean, like. Yeah, it's like the same experience again and again and again, right? Uh, yeah. It's it's oddly like... I guess that oddly ties into what I've been doing. Okay, yeah. What have you been up to, Mark? I've been rambling a little too long here. Go for it. Oh, man. No, I mean, I'm really liking this insight because, strangely enough, I... Um, I guess I kind of fell into the trap that you're talking about because I've been playing a game called Valkyrie RPG, which is mm-hmm. basically this like game maker studio or like like it's obviously just made with like purchased assets from an asset shop, you know, like mm-hmm. that kind of game. And um, it's just an RPG and it is a very well masked idle game. You know, mm-hmm. like, um, the story is that you're a Valkyrie and you Odin has contracted you to uh, stop Ragnarok or something. And he needs you to this recruit. This a familiar plot line. Yeah. Oh, hmm. And then he needs you to stop Ragnarok. And he, he goes like, go to the human realm and look for brave warrior souls and recruit them into our army. So you go into the human Familiarity realm. Familiarity intensifies. <laughs> you go into the human realm and then you look for these warrior souls and then you recruit them and then you equip them with items and you do combat and all that stuff. Um, and mm-hmm. then I'm starting to think to myself, is this Valkyrie profile? Uh, but then um, it, it the way the gameplay works is essentially... There are dungeons, and every two dungeons you finish allow you to um, open a new area, which is a new place where you fish for more hero souls, right? Um, Mm -hmm. But this is the thing where it ties back to it. Because when you recruit a hero soul, you don't know what hero soul you're getting. So essentially, it's a gacha when you recruit a hero Uh soul. Right, so it's like you recruit this hero soul from the graveyard, and then it's like, oh, this is an archer, and then you recruit again, like, oh, this one's a swordsman this time. Eh. Um, but when you finish the two dungeons and you open the new area, um, you try to recruit a hero soul, it's like, okay, this one is a crossbowman, but it's just like an upgraded archer, like, it essentially is just an upgraded archer. So, essentially, the game is just an idle clicker game because most of the combat is automated. So, it masks it so well with the story that I it, mm-hmm. it took me a while to realize that this is just an, an idle clicker game, isn't it? Um, well, like, I mean, I, I'm, not, I'm not as down. I'm not as, uh, I don't throw as much shade at an idle clicker game as I used to. I think there's, I think there's a place for this genre. Oh, indeed. But, Oh, let me tell you but, why uh, I started yeah. to appreciate it. So, so this is the this is the two things. Like, this is why it relates yeah. to your uh, earlier talk about how, um, you know, if I just wanted to play the same thing, play it again. Because I was basically looking for a Valkyrie profile, you know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then I was like, oh, this is exactly Valkyrie profile. And then I played it. I was like, okay, I'm heavily disappointed because it played nothing like Valkyrie profile. Then I realized. If I wanted to play Valkyrie Profile so bad, why don't I just play Valkyrie Profile, right? I mean, mm-hmm. uh, so there's that. And then the second one is, you're right. There is a place for these idle clicker games. 
and it's literally for when you're multitasking. So I play this game while I'm at my day job or when I'm editing videos or something like that, right? So I, I feel like those idle clicker games have a place and I, I've grown to appreciate them. I used to like dislike them. It's like, oh, it's a non-game, you know? It's not an actual game because I don't get to interact with it. But then I realized that sometimes you just like to see numbers go up and it makes you feel good. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I um, I used to be I used to play a couple of these, but they they interfered with my work too much, so I had to stop. Um, they are, I think I think there is a certain I don't know I don't know much about brain chemistry and uh, and that kind of uh, what do you call it? Um, you know, like psychosomatic reaction. But I think there is some endorphin you get when you see characters level up. And these games are designed to just like like trigger that that reflex as much as possible for yeah. you, and you get. But but the problem I think the problem with this is you get a false sense of accomplishment, in the oh, sense yeah. that like if you're in a self-directed job like I am, and you like I need to feel good if my playtests work out correctly, and if my you know like I make online sales, and if my distribution numbers are good for the month, and like those are the times I need to feel good. And I found myself like feeling good when I logged in and my characters had done a bunch of cool stuff without me, and not when and and it was kind of not feel and and it it diminished my feeling good by accomplishments with my company. Oh my god! <laughs> and so I realized this that maybe uh, maybe this is not healthy from a a like a healthy activity for me to be undergoing. I see. I see. Um. Because you you need that you need if you if you're living by that that feedback then you need to be you need that to be the most exciting thing for you. Hmm, I, I guess that, that I, makes sense. I guess that's right. <laughs> like like I, I I get it right. Like because at some point like playing the game becomes more exciting than actually accomplishing things in the real world. Right. This is a problem yeah. that I experience sometimes. You know, it's like. Like, like for example, like I oftentimes dislike training real life skills, like I don't know, running or something like that. Yeah, like going to the, you, 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 you don't want to go to the gym, but you'll totally put your character in training, and you'll feel just as good when they level up, even yeah. if you, you know, are sitting on the couch and, and not leveling up. Um, yeah. And it, I think it, it, it's, it's. It's not just idle games. You can get, you can do that in a lot of different ways, like buying stuff, like collecting magic cards is a great example. I used to be really into collecting magic cards, and I got to the point where the most exciting thing I'd do in my day was I'd come home and I'd browse Star City and I would pick up some more magic cards. And I didn't really care if my job was going anywhere or if my, um, you know, if I had like a, any kind of life outside of my circle that was playing magic, etc. It wasn't a good situation for me. I think it's it's a danger with some of our really, some of our really sophisticated modern entertainments that you lose sight of the real world, the things that make the real world uh, exciting. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a problem I have honestly. Um, I think it's a, I think it's it's something that everybody has to has to struggle with that materialism, that idleness that um, desire for quick satisfaction and the ease with which you can get quick satisfaction, whatever form you prefer it in our modern world. Yeah. Whether it's uh, buying clothes or buying or magic cards. 
or watching your character level up or getting, you know, like thumbs up on Facebook or whatever you you think. Like there's a lot of ways that society can trick us into thinking we're living meaningful lives. Yeah. Um all this to say, all this to say, don't neglect the people in your life. Um your family, your friends. Um that's what it's really all about. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess the answer to what we've been doing is thinking a lot about life, <laughs> isn't it? I guess so. I guess so. Um, I do like to talk about these kind of things, though. I, I like it when our our I like it when our podcast is a little more than just you know questions about gaming. Yeah, it's true. I mean, like maybe I, I should yeah should put together some kind of philosophy book about gaming. That would be fun. Oh, that would be. About I would ga- read game it. design, game design, and life lessons. <laughs> By Brad Dalton Jr. I think I'm too young to write a book with that title. Um, okay, then wait 30 years. <laughs> then write I think the that book. We'll see, we'll see. All right, excellent, excellent. So that pretty much does it for what we've been doing. If you guys want to recommend something for us to do, uh, whether it's listen to a podcast or watch a show or something like that, uh, you know, tell us in the comment section. And if it's easily accessible, Brad and I might do it. So, um, Brad, tell me. Are we going to do a pipeline this week? Huh? Um, I think we're going to talk a uh, character of the week this week. <gasps> Excelente. So welcome to the character of the week where we talk about a character from one of our games. Brad, our character of the week for this week is... Uh, Serafina Vanadren. Vanadren. Battlecon Fate. Oh yeah. my gosh. So tell us about Serafina. Okay, one question before we get... We get into all of this. Is it Serafina or Serafina? Like, like, is it S A or S E? It's S A. <gasps> it's Serafina. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, because uh, we have another character that's Sarah, and she spells with an E, and so it would be confusing if they were both S E. So she's S A. Anyway, it's not the, uh, you know, the 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 point of it. Anyway. Serafina Vanadrin is a playable character in Battlecon Fate. She is one of the 13 Magisters of Willat, the northern technocracy of Indians. Serafina is a super genius engineer who is really great at creating electronics. Electronics are not a, um, a very common art in Indians. Like so, computers? Um, she's kind of, yeah, like, like computer tech and uh, small, you know, like uh, circuitry. Okay. So it's a pretty uncommon art since Artifice usually does that kind of stuff. You mm-hmm. know, people use golem cores instead of uh, instead of processors to run run you know autonomous uh, item or autonomous machines and such like that. So Serafina's arts are a little bit a little bit obscure, but she uh, she's really good at what she does. She is about 150 years old. She's an elven. Uh, like most of the population of Wallat, so she has got a long life, and she is much, much older than she appears, but pretty young by Elven standards and very young by Magister standards. Most of them have been running the country for a long, long time. Mm. So ironically, anyway. this uh, this like century old woman is the young blood. <laughs> that's, that's... Yeah, she's kind of the young blood of the the Magisters. Okay, um, okay. She hasn't been a Magister for a long time, though. Oh. Probably only in the last uh, in the last twenty years or so has she ascended to that. Um, you have to have a very 
a very high level of distinction within society before you can be inducted into that elite group. Okay, so I uh, think I want to ask this now. Like, is there a set number of magisters? And then, like, we kind of swap out. Like, for example, one magister is the electronics one. And then, like, do they find a replacement electronics magister? Or is the magistrate just comprised of the top number of, like, most influential people? Like, Forbes 30 under 30 or something like that. It's, it's not a capped number. Um, it's a body that inducts more people as they... So, I guess the best way to put it would be that... If you are a scientist of distinction and you are creating work that is that the government wants to own, that wants that you want that they want to co-opt into like the national program science program of the country, they will make you a magister and give you like political control in exchange for the government ownership of all of your work and research. Right? And this is kind of what happened to uh, Aaron Ross, uh, the creator of Carolyn is that they wanted him to be a magister because bioalchemy was such a useful um, emerging field, and he was the best of the best at this field. And he did not like the politics of the magisterial board. And so he he basically refu- refused or made so many conscientious objected- objections that they couldn't actually induct him into the national politic. And so that's why they banned his research and kicked him out and eventually hunted down and killed him and destroyed his laboratory because the government wanted the science and he would not make it a government science. Oh, so you have no choice but to be a magister, essentially. Uh, yeah, and this is uh, kind of what happened to Serafina as well, is that she has been a conscientious objector to the government policies a lot for a long time. Um, for those who aren't familiar with like all the, the backstory, um, Wallot kind of ascended to this industrial age and technological power before the rest of the, the continent, and they decided that uh, they were not going to care too much about their the environmental impact of their industrial revolution. So there was this huge revolt, and all the dryads in the northern forest marched against the city, um, demanding that they get equal rec- you know representation and that they're, they preserve nature and you know limit pollution etc etc um the magisters were like no we're not going to have any of that and they bombed the forest and uh and wiped out all the northern forests in Wallat. yeah ah, um but without the dryads to stabilize nature eventually all these plagues started to emerge and uh some of the dryads even came back to life as husks zombie dryads spirits of disease and started to terrorize the country so now a larger and larger portion of the country's technology is being directed towards medical advances so that they can keep everybody alive from the onslaught of all these diseases and vermin and uh, terrorist uh, and bioterrorist dryad husks that, oh are, that are running around the country. So Willot has its, own, has its own problems, even though it seems like this technological utopia from the outside. There are a lot of big problems that the country has to deal with. So Willot is technically like... Like, is it basically like a shadowy cyberpunk, like, town? Mm, it's a little of both. I mean, there's certainly areas that are like that. I see. Um, but it's it's not all one thing or another. Anyway, Serafina was very, very, uh, had great objection to these kind of things, but realized she didn't have much power to control it. 
And so she allowed herself to become a magister without, without causing too much of a ruckus in hopes that she could eventually rise to power and, uh, and eminence above the other magisters and change the disposition of the country. Change the, the system from wanted. within. Yeah. But she has not had much success with it yet after only 20 years. And she is kind of becoming, it's, it's changing her a bit too. She's not as I- idealistic as she once was. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and so, anyway, that's that's kind of the foundation of the character. She is the creator of Clinhide 8. She is the creator of Arya, or one of the three creators of Arya. She's good friends with Caitlin Van Sorrel, the leader of the Planestalkers, and with Runica Zinanen, the royal armiger of Jeffries. Mm-hmm. Uh, both those characters appear in Battlecon Devastation. Playable, yes. And now, and Serafina is a expert martial artist who uses holographic projection in order to fight. So that's a pretty much all of the information about her lore. Um, why don't you tell me about playstyles, Marco? Hey, Brad. Guess what kind of character Serafina is? Uh, I would say she's a tactician. Oh, Brad. Brad, why do you do this to me every time? I ask you, and you, you take it, <laughs> yeah, like, like, you know that Peanuts cartoon, okay, like, I'm Charlie Brown, but, and, and you're, I mean, you're, I guess, I guess Serafina is a tactical brawler. Oh, thank you, thank you. So, um, essentially, she's kind of, she kind of plays like that, right? Like, she, she can't actually play like a typical brawler, because she doesn't have the stats to back it up, right? Um, Serafina, as a character, her UA is this entire hologram projection thing, and the way she fights with it is that she can swap places with the hologram, right? During the anti-phase. Or, yeah, during the anti-phase. So, a lot of Serafina's gameplay actually revolves around mix-ups. And this is a very interesting playstyle because not a lot of brawlers, quote-unquote, in Battlecon end up doing this. Most of the time, brawlers in Battlecon are just like, Herder, I have stats. Herder, I have hit confirm. I can play, like, almost half of my attacks and most of them would work. Um, but... Serafina's not like that. She essentially forces opponents to make hard decisions, and she kind of abuses that. So if the opponent, for example, plays a strike, uh, expecting Serafina to um, blink in using her projection, uh, if Serafina doesn't blink in, the opponent just misses, for example. So uh, it's all about the mind games with Serafina and making sure that the opponent plays the wrong thing at the wrong time. Uh, Mix that in with Serafina's ability to... Make opponents at range one miss, which is a great, great pressure mix-up tool. Mix that in as well with her one style that allows her to abuse the force gauge to an extreme degree. And Serafina can be absolutely dangerous when in the right hands. However, a few wrong reads can go the wrong way and Serafina might not be as powerful as she seems. However, the ability to teleport around the board freely makes Serafina one of the game's most mobile and strangely immobile characters. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she's good but not good, mobile but not mobile. Uh, does mix-ups but is vulnerable to mix-ups. Exactly. Um, okay. Which is which so, is, it sounds like nonsense, yeah, it's, it's... right? But <laughs> that's the reality of it all, right? Like for example, she is mobile because she can teleport around the board most of the time, but she doesn't really have any cool movement effects outside of the red style. Uh, she is a mix-up character, but who at the same time loses to mix-ups because 
you know, that's just the nature of Battlecon, right? Like, if your opponent guesses the mix-up correctly, you lose the mix-up. That's just how it goes. Um, yeah. So the important takeaway from all this is if you play good with Serafina, you can win. But if you don't play good, you can also lose. I mean, look, again, it sounds like nonsense, <laughs> but it's the truth, okay? No, it sounds totally logical, the way you're, the way you're presenting it. I uh. mean, it's like... You know, it's like you can win and otherwise. I mean, it's invaluable, so. right? You can't say I'm wrong. Yeah. So oh, Serafina is all these things and otherwise. Yeah, all these things and otherwise. So, no, but 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 seriously, like <laughs> Serafina is a really fun character if you like that. Uh, if you played characters in fighting games and like the mix-up characters, who like you know, am I going high or low? Am I going from left side to right side? You know, if you like that kind of yeah, rush is it a down switch field? up or a dash in, a slide or a throw. I, I really enjoy this style of character, and I'm a big fan of Seraphina's playstyle. I was really excited when she made it into Fate. Um, yeah. So I would recommend give Seraphina a try. If you haven't played this character yet, she is a lot of fun. She she is indeed. She is my personal favorite from the entire Fate set as well, which is why I recommended her for this episode. <laughs> Woo. Yeah. Oh. So, well, cool. Yeah, that's cool. So, if you guys want us to talk about another character for the week, uh, please tell us in the comment section down below. Remember, it doesn't have to be BattleCon. It could be about... Brad, list down some games you have lore for. Could be a Millennium Blades character. Could be a Seventh Cross character. Could be a BattleCon character. I don't know that we maintain too many other universes beyond that. I mean, we could talk Mystic Empyrean, but it's not really too... Uh, there's, it's, as an RPG, there's not a lot of lore for that. Well, there's um, not the a lot characters, for yeah. the characters specifically. Yeah, because yeah. you're supposed to make your own. Um, but uh, if you want to hear about it, we'll talk about it. So leave us a comment. Tell us what you want to hear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we will make it happen. So that pretty much does it for a character of the week segment where we talk about the character of the week. And finally, Brad, we are on to our last segment, the 99 questions, where we will answer these hot baked questions by putting them in our mouths and regurgitating answers. Why, why does it get weirder every time? <laughs> yes, the escalation I, I didn't never think stopped. it could. I don't think it could, but you keep escalating. Yes. At some point, it'll just sound like a garbled mess, and people will still understand that it's the 99 questions segment. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, okay, let's, let's, let's move along, yeah. yeah Hopefully my answers will be less than a garbled mess. Oh, definitely. Your answers are always top-notch. Here we go. In regard to Battlecon Devastation Remastered, would the upgrade pack be in the older-slash-smaller card size, or would it be the newer-slash-bigger card size? I was hoping for the upgrade pack to be the smaller size to fit with the older version of Devastation, while the full-box Devastation Remastered to stick with the bigger-sized ones. What about the price of the full-box versus the upgrade pack? This is a really packed question. This is a really packed question. So um, a lot of this is still contingent on us understanding the full scope of changes for Devastation. But it looks like they're going to be about two characters that do not have changes in Devastation. Which means that there's a lot of upgrades that need to be done. So the number of cards that come in the box is going to be really big. It may be that the upgrade pack is about half as big as the full game. <clears throat> Um, so, off the cuff, I can't say for sure, but um, from a production size standpoint, we are producing in a different factory, the same factory that made Trials, and we will probably want to produce the cards with a, what's the word, in the same size, because our die cutter is going to be built around a certain size. So the cards are going to be the same size as Trials, 
if it seems like that might cause issues, we may end up just printing all the cards for characters so that you don't have size issues. It may be that there's not that many cards that don't need to be reprinted. So the Devastation Remastered box is probably going to be kind of similar to the upgrade pack. It'll just leave out the board. It might leave out some of the other peripheral upgrade content or some of the peripheral, you know, base content like... Um, Bases for every character? Stand-ups. Yeah, stand-ups. The... Um, you know, it'll definitely have the tuck boxes. Um, we may we, we may include bases for all the characters. Um, we're still working that out, is the short answer. It looks like the upgrade pack is going to be fairly big, and it may end up being that the upgrade pack is a significant chunk of the full game's cost, especially given the fact that the, uh, that the, the box for Dev Remastered is a storage box, too. So we're going to have to ship the entire box as part of the upgrade pack. Oh. Um, and that's usually the main determiner of price. So I am not 100% certain. One thing I can say, though, is that if, when we do an upgrade pack or a collector's box, whichever those it turns out to be, you will get tuck boxes for War and Devastation and Fate in there. You will get the upgrades for, for all those games. So it will, it will bring everything up to the standard that Trials uses. Ah, okay. So that's a very nice and packed answer. Get it? Because yeah, packs so, upgrade packs. I mean, the short yeah yeah the short the short answer is that full specifications are are upcoming, and we've got to get through. First of all, we got to ship Argent and Exceed, and then once we actually ship those, then we'll start thinking about running Imperial. And once we run Imperial, then we'll start thinking about Devastation Remastered. We're still working on the balance stuff now. We haven't actually started on the production production planning side yeah um except for the sense of like you know what's going in the new edition remastered yeah oh by the way if you guys are adamant devastation players and i know there's a lot of you out there if you want to help us balance it please go to the discord we need more testers yeah uh, we do have we do need more testers and there are uh, there's ongoing testing yeah. So check it out, and the new promo characters that are coming in Dev Remastered are also in testing right now. So you can help test out Ray, Gar, Himmel, and uh, Andrus right now. Oh my gosh, I'm I'm so excited for Gar. Gar. Gar is pretty silly. I'm pretty sure she's stupidly overpowered right now, but we'll see. Yeah, I mean, Josh showed me Gar <laughs> before. I was like, uh, nice joke. This is a no. This is this is a real character. So this is a character who has an alternate set of bases, kind of like Borneo and Judo. But Except they're just better versions of the regular bases. They're not. No, they're not. All the bases have no text. So all of her text is on her styles, and her styles are all plus zeros, and all the stats are on the bases. And the bases all have great stats, but they do nothing on their own. Oh, okay. So this was changed, because when, when Josh showed me Gar before, Gar's entire thing was that she had primal bases, which were like better version of the old bases or something like that. Yeah, so we refine that concept to make them make them stronger bases, but they are not as tactical. And so she has to use her styles to actually get any real mileage out of these bases. That's pretty cool, but it's grossly overpowered. <laughs> maybe, maybe. I mean, yeah, join playtesting. Find out for yourself. Yeah, join playtesting, everyone. All right, next question, Brad. Inspired by another podcast I listen to, what's your favorite spelling game? I think it's your the game that's... What game do you think smells the best? <laughs> Um, okay okay so 
personally, I'm going to answer this first. So, so, cause I thought about this question a little bit when you showed it to me. Um, I really love that new book smell. I think that my favorite smelling game is the uh, Dungeons and Dragons commemorative edition with like the gold leaf edges around it. Um, so I have the, uh, I have the second edition, you know, the advanced Dungeons and Dragons second edition commemorative edition. And when you open that up, it's got that great new book smell. Oh so my that's my favorite smelling game. Okay. Oh, so, I, okay. So it's not, it's not like which smelling game is my favorite. It's more of like, what's my, which game smells the best for me. Right. So, yeah. okay. This is, there is a reason why we call it cardboard crack, right? Magic the Gathering is my favorite smelling game because every time you open a booster pack, oh my gosh, the smell of those cards. <sighs> you know, um, if we go to video games, I don't know if you remember this, but Earthbound had a promotion. The old Super Nintendo Earthbound had a promotion back in Nintendo Power where they had scratch and stif- sniff stickers. What? And yeah, yeah. It was the only game that I think used smell as a marketing technique. It was it was kind of surreal. Even back then, it was wild. It was it was so so nineties. But uh, but I, I really I thought that was very novel back when I was a kid and was was uh, scratching the scratch and sniffs in the game. Oh my gosh, Brad, Brad, the next battle concept. Okay, okay, stay with me here. Okay. You can scratch the character cards to know what the character smells like, right? Right? So what's the third question, Marco? <laughs> okay, fine. Just ignore my dreams. So somebody asked, I think it was Molly, tell us about sports in Indians. Are there similar Earth sports or familiar Earth sports? Or are they more like fantasy Quidditch-like sports? Or both? Does Argent have a football team? So I think I have I know there are sports, first of all. There are definitely sports. There is definitely board gaming and card games and games of chance and gambling. Because we have characters that enjoy all these things as hobbies. As far as what kind of sports, I'm not a hundred percent sure. I haven't given it a lot of thought. I feel like there is definitely some sort of like ultimate ninja challenge type sport. But um, I haven't given it a lot of thought. And it's probably something that I should flesh out when I'm doing my lore writing and focus on feature for another future episode of the Little Cat Podcast. So I think that's the answer is, is let me let me get back to you on that and we'll do a more complete uh, complete view of what sports look like in Indians okay. in, the, in a future episode. Okay, so to, to make the answer to this question a bit more fun, let's come up with one Indian sport. Like just just now, let's just make one up. Each. Uh, uh, I don't think it's I don't think it's good to just make up lore. No, off no, the cuff no, 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 no. This is of, of an official this podcast. Canon. This isn't canon. Okay, this is just my joke answer. Come on, Brad. This is my joke. Answer. Okay, okay. Kay. So, what what kind of sport would you like to see? Bidditch. Yes, this is this is sport bidditch. Um, they bid for witches. I don't sounds know. like uh, it sounds like a rap insult. Like. <laughs> Like what you what you looking at, bitch? <laughs> but cut, cut, end of the podcast, everyone. Oh my goodness! Oh my. Goodness. Yeah, no, I, 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 um, I think you may be uh, thinking about this 
I think you may be working too hard on this, Marco. That's true. That's true. Okay. Okay. No, but seriously, Brad, when 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 we ask, does Argent have a football team? In Indians, when they say football, do they mean American football or do they mean soccer? Um, probably, probably, um, probably soccer because having football and American football is too confusing. I just want to have football and soccer if I'm going to use words in a game. I think that's why we do it in America because. We uh, we know that soccer is a game you play with your feet, but we like it to have a game that's not, or a name that is separate from football, which you also play with your feet. No, you don't. Why do we call it that? Anyway, Brad, I know the reason why you call it that. <laughs> why? Because the ball is a foot long. Is it really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. See, Marco, you're just a a, a well of Americana. Yeah, man. Oh, oh, yes. I spend most well, of my days on TV tropes. Because because in Indians, everybody has different magical abilities and different capabilities. It would be very difficult to do a sport like Quidditch, where it's required that everyone fly. Ah. Um, so I think that most sports and games are not magic-based. Or if they are, they use some kind of... Some sort of rule to regulate you know, what, what types of magic can be used. The game is, you know, it's got to be, it's got to be something that everybody can play that's going to be fair. So you have to, you know, you have to make it more about physical, uh, you know, like the physical world, like putting a ball through a hoop or something, as opposed to, you know, casting spells or using a very specific kind of magic. Um, Yeah, that's it. There are, like, the departments do have games. Like, there is a dueling club in the sorcery department because... Everybody who can use sorcery can use dueling magic. Yeah, you know by definition. By so, def- yeah. so those kind of things also exist. Oh yeah, but and they're more limited. They're not like varsity inter inter varsity sports between the the different departments. I that would be pretty hard, right? Like, like imagine like what sport would be fair if you could just let everyone use magic and like half the teams are teleporting everywhere and the other half of the teams are just cursing people and the other half of the teams have blown the field apart and fire magic. Like, it makes no sense, right? Yeah. So, so, but it does make sense if you were doing something like, say, a three-man team going through a gauntlet of some kind. Then, like, you could bring all your different skills to bear in a, you know, in, like, a race or, foot, or like, a foot race or a triathlon or something like that. So, mm. perhaps the sports are more triathlon-style. Ooh, that sounds uh, that sounds fun. Yeah, we're different. You have to have a different person, one person from each department to play a different position on your team. That could be cool. Oh, that would be pretty rad. Oh, I would play a MOBA about that. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It yeah. wouldn't be necessarily about killing the other guys either, which is makes for a pretty cool MOBA. Yeah, it would be anyway. about like actually working together and completing objectives. Oh, huh. <laughs> Hmm. All right. So that pretty much does for a 99 question segment where we answer your hot bake questions fresh from your typo fingers. And uh, we will answer. Typo fingers? Look, okay, look. It's like typing fingers, but I made a mistake. I typoed with my mouth, okay? I think, yeah, maybe you have a typo mouth. A typo mouth. <laughs> All right. So if you guys have any questions, please send us um, the questions by putting in the comment section down below. Of course, you can also submit to our Google Docs form, um, Google form, and uh, we will uh, answer the questions there as well. Uh, please try to make the questions related more to the games and stuff. Like, we, we're okay with you guys asking, like, hey, guys, how are you? And stuff like that. But, like, the moment you guys ask us, like, you know, what's Brad's left socks name? Like, it's it's... 
We we would like to answer serious questions about the games and the company and you know like making games. So um, you know, like I well I think that's more on you, Marco. People can ask silly questions. Just we probably are less likely to feature them on this segment. Yeah, yeah. I'm t- that's that's what I'm saying. Like like you know I've been yeah. very lenient for the past few episodes, but like. Um, I'm 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 starting to think that we're <laughs> I'm starting to think that we're pushing out some of the more relevant questions. Like there was a question. Mar- Marco drops the hammer. Oh, drops the hammer. <laughs> and yeah, yeah. So we would prefer uh, way more way more relevant questions aside from just like I don't know cheese jokes, right? So uh, that pretty much does it for <laughs> Brad. I- I'm sorry, but are you okay with this episode of the Level Cap Podcast? May- do I have your permission to end? Yes, yes. We we mission complete, podcast complete. I think uh I think it's been a really good podcast. Uh, yeah, I think I we've re- done a great job. Um oh. I don't want to pat myself on the back, but so I'll pat this you on is the back. probably this is probably the best podcast that anybody has done throughout all history ever oh. that we've just completed right now. Freaking podcasting Aristotle. has never podcasting has never been as impressive as the podcast that we've made in these past these past few years. If you look at the progress that we've brought to podcasting, it's absolutely unparalleled. And uh, <laughs> we, yeah, we're, we're podcasters the of podcasting. Yeah, we have contributed so much. Anyway, to the community. there's there's my there's my uh, my state of the podcast speech. Oh my god. Anyway, <laughs> oh no, oh no. <laughs> let's uh, let's uh, let. <laughs> okay, 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 okay. Let's end this podcast. As usual, it has been me, your host, Marco DeSantos, also known as Mechanocritic, and with me has been my splendiferous, awesome, magnificus, magnificus, magaling, maganda, magata, astigo host. You, you said magnificus twice, and then you started talking diabolic gibberish. But, okay, yeah, that's me, Brad Salton. Woo! Yeah. And spooky. That was the spooky segment you promised. Uh, see, the there you go. You started there you go. speaking in. In diabolic gibberish. Hey, yeah. that was Filipino. <laughs> oh, really? What did you say about me in Filipino? I said you're uh, beautiful, amazing, and awesome. Oh, Mark. Oh, Marco. Uh, please, so kind. Brad. Kind. Brad, don't forget your special action. Uh, thank you. Aww. World of Indians, thank you. And good night. Night, everybody, and happy gaming.